All right. Thank you for being here with me. This is our third episode of Art and Tiso Exchange. And I'm really happy to have with me a dear friend of mine and uh, an ELL teacher in Texas, Austin, Texas, uh, Mrs. Fatima Salazar-Smith. She goes by Mrs. Smith. So uh, a little bit about our history together, and then you can briefly introduce yourself and what you do in Texas. Uh, we have known each other, should I say the, 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 the amount? Sure, why not? We sound young, but we are older than what we sound probably. <laughs> we have known each other for 28 years. Yes, uh, so I went to live to El Salvador for four years. And this is where I met in high school, uh, Fatima, and we have been friends ever since. And our journey has, I, I'm living in California. She lived in California, then she moved to Texas, but we stayed friends. And somehow our work is also very similar. We work with English language learners, we're teachers, and you know we're very passionate about the work we do. Um, it's ironic that a we have never had a conversation about work. <laughs> I think we mention work sometimes, but we are always you know just kind of talking about our lives, our personal lives, and kind of motivating ourselves. And b I don't think we've ever had a full discussion in English. So this is interesting. <laughs> so, so why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about what your work entitles in Texas. All right. Well, yes. Hello. Hola, everyone. Hola, todos. Yes, my name is Fatima Salazar-Smith, and I live in Austin, Texas at the moment. And yes, I didn't realize we have been friends 28 years. Wow. So we're not going to tell you how old we are, but you we're 30. We met when we were three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, about my, my work, what I do, I have been a teacher for over 20 years. So when I was in El Salvador, I graduated as a SPED teacher. Then I moved to the USA and I also, I was also on the teaching, you know, area and I've been a teacher since then. And at the moment also, I have been working as a director of family services. So, cause that's another passion of mine, helping not only the kids, cause we get to see the kids every day in the classroom and we know their struggles, but I have added also helping the families connected with the families and just help them in whatever we can do to help them because sometimes we are the only ones that they trust or that we are the only ones that see the need. And so that's what I have been doing for a few years now. I, I have two jobs. I am a teacher for a public district here in Texas and also a nonprofit organization. I have been working there for about five, six years. And so I, keep myself very, very busy. And also I'm going to grad school. So I wanna, in the future, in a few years, I wanna be in the mental health department. So that's where I am right now. 
I'm really happy for you. Congrats. And what grade do you specifically, have you been teaching? Because I know it's usually been elementary school, but what, is there like a certain grade that you've been teaching mostly? Yes, uh, kinder and first grade is the one that I have been teaching the most from the beginning of my uh, teaching experience since back at home in El Salvador. But throughout the years, I've also been a special needs coordinator uh, at a church where I was also helping the families, giving them respite nights and just focus on the children that have special needs. I have also been a Spanish teacher for uh, a couple of schools in California, actually, in El Dorado Hills, um, and it's been up to eighth grade. And but, so you're working with kindergartners and first graders. So besides them developing their language skills and actually learning grammar, um, you know, they're also having to learn a second language. They're also having, you know, because I'm, I'm guessing most of them primarily speak Spanish at home. So how, how is that process of helping them develop two languages at the same time, being bilingual and, you know, just being confident about language? Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because it just depends on what city and what district, what schools, what's your population and how much the, the city puts into the schools that they, that they have like right now in the schools that I have been working it has been title ones which is most of the kids are in the poor level and you know, low income families uh, but recently I have been in the last three years four years I was at a school where it's supposed to be a title one school and it's supposed to be for the English language learners but because cities have changed a lot. The gentrification and all of that stuff that is happening in many cities in Texas and probably in LA, I don't know. But um, the populations have been changing. So instead of teaching the English language learners, we are teaching the English speaking people uh, Spanish. But since for, because these podcast is about the English language learners. I'm just going to speak about my experience with them. Yes, teaching both languages. And it's, again, it just depends what the program is, because some of them are dual language one way, dual language two way, bilingual, early exit, late exit, and ooh, I don't know how many more titles there are. It's but overwhelming. yes, it is. It is overwhelming. And that's why I need to add that Sometimes our children, our students are, are Hispanic kids or whatever country they're coming from, they fall in the crack that special, special needs because they don't know how to say, because they don't know this, they don't know that. But it's not because of that, it's because they are acquiring another language, a new language. And, and so that's another whole topic that we could talk some other time. But Yes, it is very hard and, and, and it is important that we, the teachers, get also get help from each other. What are you doing? What am I doing? What is it working? What is not working? And, and the community of teachers need to be more open to each other and grow more and have more like, you know, 
places where we can all go and get resources from mm -hmm. each other. Yeah, and this is what this, um, you know, kind of like this idea of this podcast is kind of like getting resources, ideas from professionals and helping each other out. <clears throat> I wonder if you see, because um, we've been talking about in my courses about um, the silent period, basically when students are acquiring the language and they yet they don't know how to express themselves. Do you see that a lot in your students where like there's a silent period and like you said, they might get misdiagnosed and be sent to special ed to where, um, versus like just being able to know that it's just a normal uh, thing that happens when you're acquiring language, this silent period with students. Yeah, definitely, definitely there is. Not as much as, I haven't seen that as much, but I have seen it. And, but when you are one-on-one -on -one with these kids speaking their own language, you know that there is not a lack of language. They have it. It's just when they're learning a second language, maybe because they heard from, I don't know, parents or older generations that if you speak that language, you will be, you know, uh, punished. Or if you don't speak it right, you, you will get, other people are going to make fun of you or, you know, it's, it's many, many things. Everything has many reasons why, why things happened. But yeah, I have seen the silent and I can say personally, because I am a, per, I'm a I am an English language learner person because I came, like you said, from El Salvador. When I moved to this country, I was 21 years old. So my English experience was almost none because the English that I learned back then, I didn't really care for, number one. And number two, you, I mean, I didn't need it. So I am an English language learner and, and I understand that silent moment because when I came to this country, I have many moments like that. I would not go here, I would not go there because the lack of language or shyness or they're gonna make fun of me or they will not understand me or I'm gonna make a mistake and on and on and on. And the kids go through that as well. That's really important that your students kind of like, you kind of relate to their experiences as well. So I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, do you use students' native um, language in the classroom or are you just using the target language, which is English? Like I said before, it just depends what the program is, because for the schools that I have been working on, we all we also have a percentage. Like if you're in kindergarten, you get 80 to 90% Spanish and 10 or 20% English. Then when you go to first grade, it's gonna be 70, 30. Then when you go to second grade, it will be 50, 50 and on and on and on. So it just depends what the program is, but I have been in, in three different programs, the, the bilingual one where you just speak Spanish to all the kids because all the kids speak Spanish and the more they develop their first language, their mother tongue, it will be better for them to transition to the next one. And I think I believe in that one because that, that's the one I was, I mean, I was in another country speaking Spanish all my life and then I came here. And because I have all the academic and the social and all the slangs for my country, I knew how to translate in my brain to the new language. So that worked for me, for my situation. 
But then also I have been in the other ones where the target language is English and I have to teach in English to these kids, which sometimes requires to maybe translate for them or say the same thing in both languages. For some students work, for some don't because they get used to, oh, my teacher's gonna translate for me so I don't have to make an effort. But for some other ones, they're like just, I wish my teacher translated because I am lost. I don't know what I don't know what she's saying. You know, it's just it's just depends. We all are different, and our kids are so different. And I guess as a teacher, we do what we what we think is the right thing to do right there and then. Yeah, you just really have to get to know your students, right, and their mm -hmm. needs and yes. how they're learning because exactly. there is a differentiated. Mm -hmm. learning and even if you know especially for language I'm sure it's different for everybody you can't just like you know it's not cookie cutter yeah so. it's not everything or or what is it one fits everyone something yeah. like that yeah mm -hmm. uh, so this podcast also about art and TESO and how these two connect with each other and help each other and support each other. So in your classroom, especially kindergarten and first grade, like does art really help you, support you in any way um, for students to learn English? Definitely, because art is not only, oh, I'm gonna get some paint and some brushes and we're gonna be creative. You're gonna do whatever you want in this piece of paper. No, art is in, like dancing is involving art, drama, and just, you know, like mimics or, uh, you know, all of that, Every, everything is an art. And even science, I think science and math is an art, is the art of math or is the art science of Science and math too yes <laughs> it, it art is everything and in, in everywhere and in all of us it's just it looks different for all of us so oh yes God. definitely art is very I would say that art is as important and some people might not agree with me but, but for me art is as important as math and language Arts. And it's sad. I mean, at least in California, I don't know in Texas right now, but in California, you know, the Title I schools like you were talking about, we do get like the arts taken away. We get music taken away. How is it in Texas? How is art um, still something viable, something that supports the schools that you see like there's a budget? Um, for schools, especially Title I schools. How do you see yeah. that coming around? Well, so far, what I know in the schools and the districts that I have been working in, it, it has been a few districts, like from Paris, Texas to Austin, Texas. So, you know, it's like the dynamics and the difference is, it's, is huge. But I haven't heard yet that because of budget, we're going to get rid of special areas, that's how we call it here, special areas or essential areas, which is art, PE and music. Um, but I have to say though that, and that go to administration. I don't think they put much effort into finding the people that the children really need because it's probably not as important as other 
subjects in the right. schools. Like math and science. I mean, especially especially in public schools, the numbers, the data, you know, the that's standards. everybody just put that attention there. It's just the numbers. They want to see high numbers. So that's all for them. But in reality, if we all put the same effort as we put on the data to, to teach what we need to teach and to include all those artistic areas in everything, I think those numbers will go up like super high. But I since think we so don't do too. it, yeah, we don't do I agree it, so with you 100. percent We are, um, especially like during the pandemic, did art support you through Zoom and tried to be like, because you know, it was really hard for teachers last year to connect with their students through the computer, especially with the little ones. So, did art somehow help you during the pandemic and teaching your lessons through Zoom? For me personally, it did. And I am so thankful that I only had to be on Zoom for only September because on October we went back in person. And, but the, the little that I was experiencing the Zoom, you know, we were just playing. I even made um, the piggy and elephant characters because that's my favorite my favorite characters of any book I love 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 being an elephant so I made it out of carton and I will you know I will, I will do some um, mimics or some drama or some you know acting for my kids and I will ask them to say the same to do the same thing with their favorite character even if it's in a piece of paper but yes I think through zoom art was a savior for us, for some of us that really like art. But, and I wish that, that we use it more, more. And me as a teacher, I am, I am, I feel like I am guilty of this too, because sometimes I get so fixated on what the district is telling me, what my school is telling me, that I need to meet that data, I need to make that, and, and I forget and sometimes I even I don't enjoy it anymore being a teacher with little ones because everything is about writing math, writing, reading math, writing, reading math. Then I forget the fun part and I don't get to enjoy it either. And my kids probably are not enjoying it either. So I think we are falling into this pit that if we don't wake up soon, teaching is going to be boring. Yeah, and I can see, I mean, at least knowing a little bit about child development, especially kindergarten and first grade, they learn through play, they learn through having fun, they learn through interactions. So, you know, having to see the numbers and this and that, it's just, it's kind of like, it defeats the purpose, right, of having kids learn um, and taking away that fun part, that fun aspect. And really like you're putting, you're setting a foundation for learning. So what are these kids learning that, you know, that school is boring if you're not doing it fun, if you're not doing creatively and if the teachers aren't having fun as well, so. And also, you know, we have to remember that the English language learners, a lot of them, a good number of them come from places that art was not even introduced to them because you know they come from a from a third world country or from a country that that there's a lot of war that they 
they don't they don't even know what a brush or or markers or you know all of that fun stuff is because they they come from a dark place and when they come to america and when we expose them to these fun activities it's even therapeutic that's why there is even art therapy because art is so important that we realize that it's also therapeutic so yeah. i mean art needs to be back on to be important to all of us i think you touched on a really important point there because English language learners might not be able to express themselves and might come with a lot of trauma and might need to heal and yet art is like this way to for them to express themselves and show through through pictures or visuals kind of like their story and kind of what they have to what they went through and what they're going on through now because it's tough to kind of like come to a new place and like you said like see all these new and different things and pretend everything's normal, right? So you're right. Uh, I think as an English language learners, not being able to express themselves in English, art can be a very healing venue for them. And we know, well, you know, we went to school in El Salvador a very long time ago, but I don't remember having art as part of our curriculum. I don't know if, you know, because I went, in in high school but you were you were raised there so I don't know if like in the younger years there were there was a lot of creativity or art integrated into school can you talk a little bit about that yes um yes I was trying to reflect on that the other day because I didn't I, I I can say that we we went to a good school and you and I we went, we went to a private night school and I do not remember much about me having my box of markers, colors, crayons. I don't even think we used crayons back then. It was just color pencils and markers and probably not even markers because it was so strict. Our school was so strict that what was our motto? It was uh, uh, education with discipline. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. That so, can tell you a little bit where we come from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't learn anything about discipline. I'm not a discipline person, but okay. <laughs> they were not very open-minded or, yeah. But but the schools over there, I don't know now, but the schools over there are uh, one teaching style fits everything, everyone. So that's how it was over there. So I remember that the art that I do remember, it was focused on learning to sew, you know, and it was for boys and girls, but it was focused more on the girls, I'm assuming, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know, um, or making a lamp out of uh, paper cups or using stickers to decorate. But I do not remember, maybe I just don't remember, but, I don't remember using much paint and brushes or other type of art. But I, I can say that our school gave us the opportunity to do dance, like, you know, the uh, like fol folklore. But it was just we one did. type of dance. Like, I didn't like doing that. You used to love to do like that traditional dancing. Yes, I did. Like, I love that. So, and I think that's why I, I love so where dancing it. comes. 
And when I am with my schools here with my students, I wish I can I can do the traditional from our countries dance with the little ones. But but again, we don't have time because we have the uh, numbers. Exactly. So yeah. You so were, but I remember yeah, you being much hard back then. I remember you being extroverted. You had to be extroverted to be into the performing arts because you had to like perform in, in front of the whole school. And that was not something that I was very into. <laughs> so, you know, that would like already eliminate like half of the school, you know, wanting to do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think the arts really. But there's think this, about it, Annie. Think about it. If, if our school would have something like acting, you know, like an acting class or, um, okay dancing class for us that really like dancing or you know like I don't know all their type of art I think most of us would have fit on one of those artistic areas if it's yeah. if for you was not dancing but for you probably would it be communications for example you know and I or, love dancing do you remember we used to go to we used to go dancing all the time I love dancing I just didn't like that type of dancing they, yeah. they would only have like one type of dancing and I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna dress up as an India and like <laughs> you know like it was just I loved that I know you loved it I know I know I I see you came from the from LA to El Salvador so you did it backwards yeah (laughs) but yeah like you said um I think that the arch really opens you critically to think critically as well right Mm -hmm. and I think I mean back then we're talking El Salvador in the 80s and 90s, right? We don't know now, but back then it was like you were taught to follow orders. You were taught to, you know, be a good girl and do your work and yeah. this and that. Don't it, it wasn't up. about don't speak up. It was yeah, not don't about speak speaking up. up. And that's mm-hmm. something that I also talk to my classmates about when they're teachers and you know, they have Latino students who aren't speaking up. It's like, it's not, it's a cultural thing. They're respecting you. They're showing respect because they're going to get spanked at home if they're like answering back to the teacher. And so you, that's something that you have to teach, right? You have to know culturally um, your students. And as well, like, it was also like very teacher-centered. I remember our education was very teacher-centered. It was like, you don't care what the students needs are like it was like no we're going to do this oh and like they would not they would regurgitate lessons right like I think my teacher taught the same thing for like 30 years the same way so and it was that that was just the way I think the one creative venue we had was our our notebooks back then (laughs) You know, it wasn't like here, like you get your books, your workbooks or anything. We had to create our own. So so you would have these little like pens and pencils and and you would like use a special, like a special font for the title or like the front of the cover, like the cover we would decorate it. That was our creative, like. Hey, we have good handwriting. We have good handwriting because we have to write a lot. So yeah. Well, some of us. (laughs) But yeah, for sure. I, I could see how even 
you know, that's a reason why I didn't keep going to college over there. And I was very eager to come back after high school. Like the arts weren't really like, oh, that's not a real profession. You're like a writer, what? Like you have to be a doctor or you have to be uh, an architect or something like that. So I don't know what you think about that. That was also like, like it wasn't regarded. So I don't know, you know, families coming here, if it's even regarded here, when they come. Yes. Yes, you were right. Yeah. Uh, when I was there, I was like, I was going to be a, a doctor, a pediatrician. But then, you know, I did the pre, pre-college courses. And then at the last minute, I decided, hmm, I think I want to pursue a special education. And to be a teacher over there, it's like, what? A teacher? You know, I mean, it's not like it's, it's, it's a bad profession is just because they don't pay us well well there's not a difference over here either but you know <laughs> over here is, it's better but over there it was yeah you're going to be a teacher because I came from a family that all of them are uh administrators all yes. of them I mean all of them my mom my dad my brothers you know them and they all yeah. are business, business people all and you're the of I, I, I'm not, I, la oveja negra. Even special ed, like, I can't even, I don't remember, like, there being special ed in our school, like, no, that's you were, like, separated, thing. like, you were, like, a weird, like, thing or person, like, you know? Yes, well, but see, it's special when that's another thing that we maybe we talk about this some other time, but special ed is, not only the the children that have Down syndrome or the ones that had, you know, other things physically, but a special ed also ADD. is the dyslexia or you know, and we didn't have those resources in our school. So many of us, you. they were they yeah, many of you us needed it. Yeah. <laughs> you needed. <laughs> That's why I'm still lacking something. <laughs> I know I know I I like I don't I don't even think we even talked about special ed back then no and if you think about it all your classmates a long time ago back in El Salvador you probably will recognize hmm that, <laughs> that are you diagnosing is, everybody that, yes Oh my goodness. I know. I know. Uh, but yeah, art, it was not involved there. And I'm pretty sure that art would be great for those that we're thinking about right now, that they would have developed better and blossom better. For sure. For sure. So, um, what are some resources that you, you know, throughout the years? Because I know, like you said, a lot of teachers are worried about the numbers, standards, administration. What are some resources that you would like to share with teachers that might be scared of like, you know, because they love teaching, but they're not very creative. So um, what are some resources that you use? Well, really, I am not a creative teacher. And, you know, you just said a bunch of beautiful things that you were like. Okay, but see, you learned that throughout the years um, by watching others 
by reading or by going to workshops or whatever. Uh, but what really have helped me, honestly, it's been like what I just said, watching other teachers. And also when you are a brand new teacher, you come with all these ideas and you come very excited. And I will say to those teachers, yes, you need to be excited. Yes, you need to put in action all the things that you are thinking about. Because if you don't do that now, throughout the years, you're gonna be losing it little by little, not because you, are, you don't want your job anymore, you, you hate teaching, but because the system is gonna suck the life out of you. Yeah, and so if you out. are a new teacher with all these grand ideas and you are excited about teaching, um, you know, reading in a way that it's with songs or with rhymings or dancing or going up and down, you know, do it, do it, do it, do it. Because those kids that you're gonna get are gonna benefit so much. And then just reflect when you're on your third, fourth, fifth year, just reflect on what you used to do and go back to the beginning, go back to your first love, go back to your first time, your first year when you were a teacher. I have a hard time doing that right now with all the things happening and all the things that I have to do. But I do love, love uh, acting out books. That's what I do. I, I'm very good about that. I'm very good about it. Because of watching so many telenovelas, I know how to act. <laughs> so, but can you act well? Because telenovelas are have, don't have very good actors, bro. <laughs> I hope you're better at acting. <laughs> And you know, our ELL kids, they enjoy watching telenovelas because their moms watch telenovelas. So they're very good actors, even yeah. if they tell you no. But just, you know, be creative in that area. Use the books. Like I said, Mo Willens is my favorite. And those are very easy books to act out because it's only two, two characters, right? Yeah. And elephant. Sometimes okay. it's three, sometimes it's four, but it's very short what they have to do. You just have to say... Cheryl, or you just have to say me, you know, start with little things like that. And music, you know, a, a resource that helped me, and I think it's from California, actually, is El, El Salón de Señora Padrón. She has a lot of songs in Spanish there, and I've been using those, and a good friend of mine, a co-teacher, um, showed me this, and so I learned from her, and, and, I, and now I use the El Salón de la Señora Padrón uh, website, and it's very different songs there, easy to learn. And my kids that didn't know Spanish, they were able to learn these oh, songs. Oh, that's so cool. You, it's so, yeah, you, you need to check that. Okay, out. for sure. Yeah. And, and finally, well, you, you kind of like, you touched on the other question that I was going to ask you, the advice, right, that you were giving incoming teachers of, and that's something that my program really talks about is really reflecting, like you say, like taking that time to reflect and how you're evolving as a teacher. Yes. Um, and like you say, I think you said that before, before when you were starting to say about your resources and the advice was really looking at others. Um, because sometimes you're stuck in your classroom. I remember yes. being in this classroom and you're, you know, you're so busy with your lessons and this and that. You kind of like don't make time to talk with other teachers that might have like a lot of wisdom and a lot mm -hmm. of advice for you 
uh, moving forward. Yes, and that, that will be another advice to younger teachers because you know younger teachers, they come, it's a different season in life. It's a different technology time that a teacher like me that I have been teacher for uh, 20 something years, they come with different ideas. Even us can le learn from the younger teachers and just being open with each other and just don't dismiss what the older teacher or the, uh, the teacher with more experience is telling the new teacher. And also don't dismiss what the new teacher is telling us because all, all our ideas are, are unique, are creative. And, and it speaks of our, our own experiences. So if we can just, you know, create this love for teaching, love the children, and then, you know, share what you know with other teachers, I think our, our teaching styles can even get better and better and also realize that we are not alone. Because I know some teachers out there, they feel alone, they feel like, administration doesn't support me, the system doesn't support me, some of the families don't support me, but if you just lean on each other as teachers, then you won't feel lonely anymore, and because there's a lot of teachers struggling also with the same things that administration or the district or your school or the families, you know, because it's true, some families don't support you, um, so it is important that you rely on one or two teachers that to help each other, to carry that luggage that it's heavy if you are just by yourself. Kind of like a mentor, something finding, maybe that'd be a good idea for schools to kind of, for new teachers, give yeah. somebody a mentor, right? Somebody that they can talk to, um, some somebody that they can vent to. Yep. Um, and for sure, um, like you said, I think our ultimate goal is supporting students. So whether you're a new teacher, a, a rookie teacher, a veteran teacher, our ultimate goal is supporting our kids. So that should be, you know, we should remember that. Definitely, definitely, yes. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was fun. This You're definitely going to be invited again and we'll share our stories, our journey. Um, you're one of my bestest friends and I'm really happy that you're here with me. And yeah, that's yeah. it. Thank, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, let's make this video viral and 